This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, executive editor at HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, and today we're talking about disaster recovery with Terrell Herzig, information security officer at UAB Medicine in Birmingham, Alabama. Thanks for joining us again, Terrell. Thank you, Howard. I understand that UAB Hospital was a key trauma center in treating victims of the recent tornadoes in your area a few weeks ago. How did the storm affect your trauma center? Was it really busy? It was extremely busy. Within just a few hours after the uh, tornado event, we, we had uh, more than 140, I think, it was, I forget the exact number, but more than 140 patients in our trauma unit uh, right after the first, first hours storm had hit. And did the tornado damage the hospital at all, or how close did it come to the hospital? Uh, we, we actually lucked up, and the hospital itself was not hit. Uh, we were about a mile, mile and a half from the damaged areas that uh, were affected in Birmingham. Uh, of course, Tuscaloosa, our University of Alabama main campus, uh, had incurred some damage. Um, not, nothing major, thank goodness, uh, from the storm system. And, um, of course, though, um, you know, we were very lucky this time to avoid a direct hit. So. And was the hospital affected by any major power outages that you had to deal with? Well, our hospital uh, actually is part of our disaster recovery plan. The main uh, area of the hospital is serviced by two different grid connections. And uh, while we had a lot of power fluctuations, um, our UPS systems and backup generators were able to handle all of the power and keep it smoothed out for the, for the duration of the event. So... What lessons did you learn about disaster recovery planning from this? What worked, what didn't work? Is there anything you, you have to tweak as a result of what you learned? Or? Sure. Well, I think a lot of planning that the hospital, first of all, I have to, you know, really uh, congratulate the hospital on practicing its trauma plans and, and being able to uh, to handle that efficiently. Uh, it seemed like everybody had practiced, you know, we, every year and, and we have a... Um, a uh, regional kind of trauma exercise and I think that allowed our physicians to have uh, all their plans and things worked out because they put them in place immediately. Uh, they were very effective. Um, they stood things up that they needed to stood up um, immediately. As far as our IT systems go, we've been working hard to uh, to do best practices and being able to virtualize some of our environment and co-locate it amongst other sites. So um, while we really didn't have the opportunity, fortunately, to test that out, uh, it did appear that things were working pretty well with uh, with those decisions. Is there specific advice you'd give to others about kind of disaster recovery planning they should be doing based on your experience and, and well, you were fortunate I, enough that it worked for you what, what could others learn yeah from that? I, absolutely I mean I, I would I can over, never overemphasize uh, you know doing those risk assessments and disaster recovery planning um, account for those things that you don't see very often uh, like tornadoes and events like that and um, you know make sure you've done uh, as much planning as possible. Make sure that you've tested those plans. I think that's very key to it. Uh, for example, our generators are tested each month by our maintenance staff. Uh, very important. You don't you don't want to depend on a generator that's never been run in an emergency situation or even in a in a daily operation. Make sure that thing will come up speed. You know, know what your switchover times are. Um, you know, just something as simple as keeping a, a watch on how much. Uh, uh, electricity your devices may consume. Make sure you don't overload those UPS systems too because in the past we've had uh, uh, situations where we've had to very carefully monitor the amount of equipment we put in one facility to make sure we weren't overloading our UPS capabilities. And like I said, in this particular situation it all came together. Are, are there 
other potentially overlooked components of disaster recovery plans that you remind people of based on having lived through a, a disaster like this one yeah they uh, you know you make sure you you can account for running your facility with uh, uh, staff that may be impacted by the by the disaster uh, since it, since the tornado did come through um, uh, downtown Birmingham uh, there were some folks that worked in our data center and worked in our hospital course that couldn't either get to work or were directly impacted uh, by losing their homes and not being able to to make it in and and that you have you know that accounted for in your disaster recovery plans as well who's going to fill those critical roles uh, during the disaster and absolutely afterwards uh, you know the the event may last you know 15 minutes 20 minutes or something like that uh, recovery takes considerable longer time afterwards and uh, you know make sure that you've got enough coverage and supplies that you can cover um, uh, personnel-wise, and um, that your facilities have practiced as much as they, they absolutely can. So how did you deal with the folks who couldn't get to work at the data center? We have a lot of uh, cross-trained folks. Cross-trained? So, yes, absolutely. Very important. You know, we do have teams. We have network teams. We have server teams, um, desktop teams. So no one individual, um, you know, holds a monopoly on any particular disaster role or something like that and that's kind of how we practice things too. Uh, we had just completed uh, six months ago a uh, disaster test where we simulated a fire in our computer facility and actually um, uh, at least on paper took out a few of our key staff like our network director and, and our server manager uh, just to see how the team would respond to that person not being available and certainly that, that helps tremendously in situations like these. Very good. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, we've been talking today to uh, Terrell Herzig uh, of UAB Medicine. This is Howard Anderson, and thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.HealthCareInfoSecurity.com.